morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Chalk Talk. I am your host, Kim Davis. Happy Tuesday. Uh, it is the first Tuesday of 2023. It is January, y'all. We are in a new year. It means it's time for some new stuff. Or to just build on whatever was working for you in 2022. Thank you, as always, for being a part of Chalk Talk. Um, there's a lot to get to on today's show. And although the show has changed a little bit, I'm still super excited that you're going to be that you are here and taking part. I'm really excited about my guest for today who's gonna be joining us in about seven minutes. And so um, even before I get into my normal show open and thanking our sponsors off the top, the very first thing I have to do is to um, just send prayers and well wishes uh, to Mar Hanlon of the Buffalo Bills, his entire family and um, his teammates, the, the, the Bengals who were watching, the players around the league, and everyone who was triggered, but mostly for Hamlin and his family. That was, we're going to talk about it today. It was um, a level of tragedy and, and, and just something that I've never seen in my 30 plus years of doing what I do. So we're going to talk about that. I didn't want to, I want to start that from the top and say, that's important. And sending well wishes and prayers to him and, and hoping for a good report sooner than later about his health, his life. And, and that's, that's really what's most important. So I want to start there. Of course, we always have to talk about uh, the people who help us do what we do all the time, year round. I was talking to somebody at the game on, at the Texans game on Sunday, and they said, they asked about the show. I said, you know, I've done this show, Chalk Talk, for nine years. This is the ninth season of me doing Chalk Talk live every Tuesday for nine years, nine plus years. There've been a couple of times a year that I haven't done a live show. When I was in Africa, I had a recorded show. Um, I've taken a week or two off here or there, but this has been something that people have been able to expect and count on. And so thank you for, for tuning in. Many of you watch the replay and I understand that. I appreciate you as well. So I wanna say thank you. But for starters, I have to always tell you this, um, this show, right, from now, at least until April the 15th, um, our title sponsor is continues to be the World Youth Foundation. And we have partnered with the World Youth Foundation to support a really important event coming to Houston. It is the African American Male Wellness Agency Walk. And it's not just the walk, which happens to be on April the 15th. And we're going to talk more about the walk as we get closer. But leading up to it, we're going to have conversations about the need for this walk, right? The need for conversations about health and wellness, financial health, mental health, physical health for African-American men. And so when the opportunity was uh, pitched to me to be a part of this effort, I said, absolutely. Um, we had Pastor Jamal Johnson on uh, a few weeks ago who talked about why he got involved. Uh, the 100 Black Men of Houston are, are, are partners in this effort in terms of bringing this conversation in Houston, Houston. And we say a conversation because it's not just about let's get together and get a bunch of people and have a walk on April 15th. It is about the health screenings. It is about the conversations. It is about the real men, real talk um, events that you've heard us talk about. I'll let you know as soon as the next one is planned and how you too can participate. If you are not a man, you may have men in your life or somebody that you can pass it on to. I've not attended. I just know the work that they're getting done there. I think it's awesome. In any way I can support it, I'm happy to do so. So that is some of, one of the things that we here at uh, 
the KD Company and, and Chalk Talk, the show, are really excited and proud to be partnered with and to be a part of. So the World Youth Foundation is our uh, partner in this work. And of course, the World Youth Foundation does a lot of great work on its own, by its own, in its own right. So there is that. And of course, also, you have heard me talk about ilovejinka.com. It is a turmeric paste. It is uh, great for your immune system. It's great for inflammation. And inflammation is, of course, the root of really most illnesses, inflammation in our bodies. And so um, it started as a turmeric paste. The paste can all, the, the product can also be purchased in uh, vegan capsules or powder. The key is just get this goodness in your body. If you are in the Houston area, you know you can get the product at HEB. And if you're anywhere else, you can go to ilovejinka.com to order it online. But if you happen to be in the Houston area, Southeast Texas, even down to Freeport, Lake Jackson, here's where you find it when you go to HEB. Here at HEB, in the Healthy Living Department, the probiotics, you can find Jenka seven days a week. She is uh, she's gonna be running things at Jinka. She kind of is already, but how cool is that to have your kids involved in, in learning the work? All right, so it is also a great time for some Netflix and chill. It's always good to have some great popcorn as a snack. It's healthy. For those of you who are doing this New Year's resolution, listen, I'm about having healthy snacks all the time. But for whatever reason you're looking for them, you can find them at KimmyTreats.com. There's popcorn, there's great flavors. You'll love it. It's a great snack. It's healthy, but it tastes really good. And you can also get that organic hand whipped body butter. All of that at KimmyTreats.com. And here's what you should look for. Super Bowl week show. Actually, I will probably do the show here before I go, but I'll be doing lots of uh, some live stuff from out in Phoenix or Tempe or Arizona Super Bowl week. So stay tuned as we um, plan for that experience. All right, I'm excited now to bring in my guest who he agreed to do the show previously. I was really glad. And then, of course, with the tragic events that happened last night, um, it's great to have him join me today. He is somebody that you guys keep asking me about, so he is back. It is Brandon K. Scott of Hiram Clark and also Sports Radio 610. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Miss Kim. I'm doing well. Glad to see you as always, and I also appreciate the nod to one Hiram Clark. I'm pretty sure Hiram <laughs> Clark appreciates that as well. But thank, so on a serious note, but thanks for having me in any context, obviously, like you mentioned, when we agreed to do the show, it was under diff different pretenses and circumstances. And there are a number of things that you and I talk about on air, all, mostly offline. And, uh, you know, I'm always willing to talk about any of those things. But especially in a moment like this, it is good to be with someone like you who is as thoughtful and as introspective and as experienced, quite honestly. I know none of us have probably experienced what we all experienced from a, you know, from a viewer standpoint yesterday yeah. and even from a media standpoint last night but but if i was going to be on and doing anything 
media wise, I'm, I'm glad it will be with someone like you. Well, I appreciate that. I really do. And, you know, I was at the Rockets game and when I saw it come across my phone, like the second half of the Rockets game, I was there and, you know, air quote, technically covering it, but I was, I was drawn to what was happening in, in Cincinnati and you're right. <clears throat> you know, we've seen players, you know, take a hit and we wait to see and we hold our breath and they leave the field and we've seen players get injured and hit in the head. We've seen all sorts of injuries. But last night, it just was a whole different thing, right? I, I think for me, it was it was really frightening. And, and seeing the reaction of those players on the field, the sheer fear in their faces, it really brought home the seriousness of it. Um, I, I, I was glad to be able to, to listen to Elisa Salters, a true veteran um, on the sideline, right, to, to in the moment to be able to, to capture it and talk about it in a way that was important. And it reminds me of why I got into this field and doing what I do, right? We don't see enough of what we saw from Lisa Salters last night was, um, it was not just good journalism, it was the humanity in the moment. It has become such a, hey, look at me kind of a industry. And it was good that that's not what we had last night. She was, gave quite frankly a master class because she'd never seen it either right and this is live in the moment and not knowing what's happening i, I think the word for me uh, brandon is humanity it's a reminder that it all comes back to that right it is the humanity of hamlin and every other player it is not just that they make a lot of money they should we, we know inside the helmet it says you know it, it's got the little warning it's really about, these are humans. I mean, think about it. His mother was in the stands and she's got to run down to the field to try to get in this ambulance and go with her 24-year-old son to the hospital because he had cardiac arrest and they had to perform CPR on national television. It's just, when you look at it, it makes us, for me, it, uh, it, uh, take a step back. And you've heard me sometimes kind of... Um, lament the fact I think that in our industry sometimes our the people that do some of the things we do in terms of hosting and, and telling the stories it becomes very personal and it's very much like you don't deserve to be here and you should be fired and I feel like the, sometimes that line is crossed we should tell the tough stories we should ask the difficult questions but at the end of the day we have to keep the humanity in it that's not about being soft that's just about being really what we should be. So all of those things are wrapped up in, in quite frankly, the life of what may be happening with this young man at 24 years old, who was living his dream, Brandon, until what, 12 hours ago? Yeah. 15 hours ago? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and for me, I, I, so I'm, you know, oftentimes at those Rockets games with you guys um, at the Toyota Center. But on this particular night, I was double screening watching Monday Night Football on the main screen and I was watching the Rockets game on my phone trying to, you know, multitask a little bit. And I'm going to be honest with you, Kim, as this was initially happening, like I'm so I'm watching it all live in the moment, everything that's happening as it's happening. And because my attention is somewhat divided and and just to be honest, from a sports standpoint, I'm more invested in and care about more so the Rockets game, but I've got football up on the TV screen and more and more I'm looking at it and I'm thinking and initially, you know, this is just sort of par for the course. 
the injury risks that come with football. It looked like, you know, thinking, okay, this is must be a bad injury because it looks like they're stopping play. But once they start giving us the shots of, and, and this is speaking to your point about humanity, and I would agree with everything you said about Lisa Salters, that is a position that I did not envy, something that I would not have wanted to do. I would have done my best, as I believe everybody there tried to do their best. But being in that position as a broadcaster, as a journalist, as a journalist is not one that I would have wanted to be in. I did not envy that position because it looked, it looked very, very difficult to process and to know exactly what to do or say. Like, I, I, I felt for them 100%. But as my attention is divided, it is not until I'm noticing the looks on the faces of the players on both sides of the sideline, right? And, and at this point, there are no sidelines. Everybody is just a human being at that point, which, again, speaking to your the word that you use, which I think is the appropriate one, really the only one, is humanity right now you know it, it it stopped being about who plays for the Bengals and who plays for the bills and playoff seating and who's going to the super bowl and who do you root for like in that moment it's like okay something very 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 serious is happening on the field you know i would not publicly speculate but in my mind at the time i'm thinking okay are we talking about a broken neck or something like that like that's normally the thing that you think about like something's broken Never, ever in, in, in my time would I consider, had I even considered, Kim, that someone's life might be on the line right there in front of our eyes. And then that is for, when, for me, it became a lot different. I turned off the Rockets game. So quite frankly, like I caught up on, on social media that they blew a, a big lead, but I was not interested in that at all. You know, it became, the rest of the night became for me wondering and being genuinely concerned because here I am watching this football game really for my own edification because i like football yeah. and there they are providing me with this inter entertainment and you know all of a sudden none of that mattered anymore like if i can if i can care enough to want not demand but want their entertainment services for lack of a better term if you will then i've i've got to be invested in the humanity of this individual and so ever since that moment even leading up to right now you know, I don't really I think about all the talking points that we, you know, some of the things that you and I will discuss over time and some of the things that I will be discussing on radio and in podcasting over time. In this very moment, I don't care really about any of that. I'm concerned about the well-being of this young man, um, because if for no other reason, just because he's a human being, but also because this was happening in front of our very eyes. And when you see responses like that from those players, like I mentioned before, yeah. um, Lisa Salters throughout all of it, and especially by the end of it, when it seems like even she is processing what she just experienced and what she just witnessed. Like you could hear her voice shaking in some of those final reports. And it's like, it's not, that's not for a lack of professionalism because Lisa Salters is one of the very best in the business. That's for, that speaks to her humanity and the trauma that everybody who was there and was a part of that experienced. I think, and I was saying this to someone else this morning that everyone, everyone who was really there for it, like on the field, even perhaps the people that were in the stands, but everybody that was on the field witnessing something that they honestly should not have had to witness. You know, when when these guys get hurt, what do they do, Kim? They put them in a in a medical tent. They try to right. give the these guys. Tent. 
Yeah, right? they, they try to give them their privacy. They try to respect their humanity and all of that. But this was a moment that was so urgent that they couldn't even do that. He needed attention right away, right then and there. And everyone who had to witness it, again, who shouldn't have had to witness something like that, I feel like their lives have more than likely been changed forever. So so that was a that was a life changing, obviously a life altering moment. Primarily, let's keep that the focus, primarily a life altering moment for DeMar Hamlin himself and his family, his mother, as you mentioned, was there. But a life changing experience for everybody that was there witnessing it. So you so you have your heart has to and your thoughts and your prayers and everything like that has to go out to everyone who was a part of it. Talking with uh, Brandon Scott, I like to say B. Scott from Hiram Clark, because that's what he says here in Houston, also Sports Radio 610. He has a couple of uh, podcasts as well. And I, I have to tell you, I like always having him join me, but I also have people that follow the show who ask, hey, when's Brandon coming back? So, I mean, I just have to tell you, Brandon, you know, the people like you, okay? Yeah. Um, well, I'm here. I'm here anytime. I'm, I am here for right. you guys anytime. And I and I like y'all, too. If y'all <laughs> if, if y'all good with, if, to tell you what, if you're good with Kim Davis, you're good with me. So uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. You know, um, I was I did another show earlier before mine and 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 there were some uh, people speculating. And I said, hey, we, I'm not a doctor. I have been listening to reports of cardiologists on the, on the network shows and I've heard what they said, but I, I just would caution people from, you know, putting this into the category of, um, you know, sometimes the, they, they get physicals, they being athletes, but they're not really true to the physical because they want to play anyway. This isn't about that, right? There's no indication that he has any kind of pre-existing condition, at least at this point. Um, and so what cardiologists have, have said is, we don't know what happened. What could have happened is that uh, traumatic impact could have brought on the cardiac arrest. You know, this isn't about an irregular heartbeat and he fell out. Um, we saw him, and I'm glad they stopped showing the video. There was, by all, you know, Brandon really kind of a routine hit, if you will. And he hit the ground, he got back up, and then he collapsed. I mean, in the moment, all you could do is go, oh my goodness. And for me, uh, you know, it's, it's immediately uh, to pray, but let's, let's not speculate that, you know, there was some missed medical report. This isn't Aridia. This is, this is something very, very different. And we don't know all the answers yet, but you know, I saw a cardiologist um, this morning on one of the networks and the question was asked, like, what makes it, what makes it critical condition? And she said, well, there's a few things, um, you know, so we know that they had to restart his heart. That happened before he left the field, that he has his vitals um, last night, got back to a, a normal range, and that they intubated him. And so they intubated him, which means they, you know, sedated him and put a tube for him to help him breathe because you don't want anything to cause trauma, right? Because they, they're, they're trying to figure out what what is happening with him. and so. Let's not speculate about what happened. Let's just be prayerful and wait to see um, as the reports become available. But just to know that I don't even know how you prevent what happened last night. I'm not really sure. But what I do know is, you know, I heard Dominique Foxworth talk about it this morning on Get Up, and he said, and I don't mean to talk about collective bargaining at this point because that's something more important. But this is why when we, because he used to be a part of those efforts, those, this is why you bargain for it for everybody, right? Not just the stars, because it is such a, 
um, a game that's so physical and no one ever expects. I mean, let's face it. I'm sure most people that listen to me are at least 24, probably older. Who at 24 thought about not, not living? Like, yeah. Who thought yeah. that? I mean, I didn't. Well, R Ryan Clark, and I, that's another person that I would want to acknowledge yeah. who I thought was brilliant last night. And, and at times even this morning, or maybe I've seen some of the stuff that he did further into the night after I went to sleep. I've seen some of it replayed this morning. But either way, Ryan Clark, who, again, was really good last night, even mentioned, and I was uncomfortable in the moment when he said this, but it was it spoke to the gravity and how serious of a situation this was. And, you know, even like like Ryan Clark himself being someone with the sickle cell uh, trait who you know, had an emergency situation and when he played in Denver one year and nearly lost his life um, from from being on the football field and that and sort of in that environment, you know, not being uh, conducive with his uh, sickle, sickle cell trait. His sentence was, and I think he was saying that he told this to another player, maybe it was, oh, I forget which uh, one of the, maybe it was Marcus Spears, one of the other former players that's on the ESPN staff, and he said, man, at 24, I didn't even know I could die or I didn't even think I could die. Right. You know, and I can tell you, too, as someone, someone who was 24, not that long ago, you know, I'm only about 10 years removed from being 24 myself. And I had seen and, and known people to die at that point and still felt a level of not necessarily invincibility, but like oblivious, sort of oblivious to what like what the possibilities are or how i guess how short and fragile i should say how fragile life really is you know the difference between being here and not you know so um so i definitely could could sort of feel that of like you know uh, here's a young person who yeah. is again living their dream you have to assume if he's out there playing in an nfl game he's in tip-top physical shape you know and so from that perspective you would imagine that he never considered or, or or more than likely had not considered a moment like that a hit so someone who's been playing football his entire life you'd have to imagine and is in his second year in the nfl you know you figure okay he's he, he's living his dream living his best life you know his mom is there you think about that too kim yeah, man. his his mother <laughs> is there solely because solely because her son her baby is playing in this game that that is why she is there and to think about the entire reason that brought you to that stadium for the night the entire reason why you were there amongst all those people all of a sudden the entire stadium and the entire country is fixated on him and his condition and what's going on there and now you have to totally switch from the mentality of hey i'm out there cheering on my son in a what amounts to a trivial game but is very important to him he's living his dream couldn't be happier for him to now he's fighting for his life like and the and the change like you talk about or i was talking about the change in mindset from just double screening two sports events sporting events nice. for the night to all of a sudden being genuinely concerned for another human being who i've never met who i do not know personally but just the humanity switching to being concerned about like what is the status of that person imagine what the what a mother must feel like and as a parent myself you know i could not that is actually my worst nightmare i mentioned not envying the position of the other broadcasters and journalists that is really the biggest nightmare that i could imagine 
you know, my, my children are small, but like just, and the fragility of life, this, right. you know, things could happen to anybody. No one is above a moment like that. And so, man, I just, uh, again, I, I, I talked about the broadcasters who I thought did a great job and I did not envy their position, but as a parent, I yeah. could not, I could not, could not imagine and do not want to imagine yeah. what a moment I, like that I, must I, feel I like. I think that the best thing is that she was actually there. She didn't yes. have to try to get to Cincinnati, right? Yes. Um, it's tough to be there, but it'd be probably even tougher to try yes. to get there. Yes. So, you know, um, like you say, just prayers for all of them. And there's something else. I heard an interview with Troy Benson this morning. And so, you know, I, I don't often, um, you know, I think the NFL may do a lot of things wrong. But I think when they do some things right, you know, I want to say it. And so the way that they met the, the medical team handled that last night, by a lot of indications was they did everything right. You know, time was of the essence. You know, when you saw them <clears throat> coming onto the field, a group of them with stuff, you knew, okay, this is a really big deal. The players kind of shielded what was happening so it wasn't just out in the open like you couldn't pull the blue tent over. So they became the blue you know, kind of a symbolic tent around him. And I thought that the NFL, in terms of how they handled it, it was, I think what I saw was from the time he collapsed, it was 16 minutes before they got him up, you know, in an ambulance into the hospital. Luckily, the hospital was only two miles away. But I heard some people saying, you know, oh, the NFL didn't call the game, it was the coaches. And so Troy Benson was like, that's not how it happened. I, I just want us to be careful about creating narratives until we really understand what happened. The NFL does a lot of bonehead stuff that we don't have to give them any other bonehead stuff that they didn't do, right? I mean, they can, yeah. they can, they can do those things. But I think it was their first thing was, is the player okay? Are we attending to him? I believe that was the first focus. And then the conversations were had about moving forward. But like Troy Vincent said this morning, there was never a go and you got five minutes to get ready. He said, I don't know where that came from. And Troy Vincent is a senior VP with the National Football League. He would have been intimately involved in those conversations had it happened, right? Yeah. He's involved in logistics and all of those things and, and is, is deals directly with Roger Goodell. He's like, that's not what happened. And so that was not the focus. So, you know, did it take a while? You know, I saw some people um, from the comm space, the communication spaces online saying, oh, this is a disaster. But here's the thing, in the moment, the first thing has got to be player safety. What do we do? Like, let's attend to him. And so can they do some other things better, perhaps? But I think that, you know, the game had to be ultimately called. Like, there's no way those players could go back out and safely compete with how distraught most of them were. I mean, they weren't just concerned, they were, they were sobbing. It was very, very real for them. And so I, again, there's going to be information that comes out, but I would just caution from kind of creating a bunch of narratives other than the very basics of what we know is it's serious. You know, it's life-threatening, which is one of the other things that uh, the cardiologist said in terms of when we say something is um, critical, someone's critical, it's either because their vitals are not stable, um, life is um, uncertain, you know, and... And it could be one or any of those things. So, yeah. Well, and with that caution, though, too, Kim, I would, I would implore everyone to try at least to show a little bit of grace 
to how people process grief and trauma in the moment. Because I, I do think that it is, we're talking about humanity again, that's the word that you used up top or off the top. And I think that we should give that sort of humane grace to the people that were trying to process this and trying to respond to this in real time. I said it again, I said it earlier and I say it again, I do not envy anyone who had to be in those positions because that's the type of thing where you, you are shaken. You are shaken. And like, like, and I'll just speak for myself. Like I would have been like almost entirely thinking about that young man to the point to whatever my job is, make me the journalist, make me the coach, make me Troy Vincent, make me anybody. And I would have been conflicted with actually doing my job in the moment because of how traumatic of an event that was. I, I would have been processing it. I sort of, that's how I imagined responding to it. So I think whenever we try to be critics and, and and try to put ourselves in those positions and want to be critical, and I think in our business, Kim, like this is, I mean, you know, this haven't been in the business as long as you have been. There is, like part of it is this tendency and sort of this instinct to look at everything with a critical eye. Like it is, it is not enough to just acknowledge what a situation is, but we have to critique that is the feeling a lot of times in our business and i think with the rise of social media you know over the past decade plus or so that that has sort of translated into the larger public as well to, to sort of feel like hey i have to have a critical opinion on this matter or like right away without even getting all the information or knowing exactly what i'm going to be critical of like i'll be honest in the moment and I'm watching all of this live. I thought as well, like, well, when, when Joe Buck and Troy Aikman say that there's going to be five minutes and I'll even give Joe Buck a little bit of credit here because right. he he acknowledged from what he was witnessing with his own eyes. Like, yeah, they're saying I'm here in five minutes, but no one's doing anything like no one is. Everyone has a blank stare on their face and is clearly shaken and is not focused on. They did not see somebody break their leg. They did not see someone break their neck. You know, like how I mentioned earlier, it's like, oh, is that, could that be what it is? No, no, not at all. This is serious. Whatever, whatever it is, without speculating, whatever it is, it is serious. It is, it is, this is a human moment. This is not just a regular normal football injury, whatever regular normal football injuries might be, you know, and we, and I, I guess I just mentioned a couple. It's wild to think that what they do is even considered regular or normal by any standard, but. Right. But right. they, but again, the point being, I would extend some grace to even those who weren't sure what to do in the moment and, and credit them, okay, whoever it is, whether it was the coaches who I thought did a great job of consulting with one another and showing each other a level of humanity and grace and, and empathy and saying, you know, making sure, like from what I could tell, it looked like the coaches and the officials themselves were just trying to make sure everyone was okay and if not doing whatever they needed to do to get closer to as close to okay as they could be whether they were going to play a football game or not and yes no the idea that five minutes later they're going to get back on the field certainly that seems ridiculous but at the same time whether that was actually what was said or, or communicated or not you, you you have to understand that they are in real time trying to understand and process exactly what is happening. And if they get it wrong a little bit 
and you know in the moment and then it takes them a little bit longer to get it right if it took a, an hour for them to fully process what they had just witnessed then so be it i mean that's that's what it took i mean it is what happened last night was an anomaly for everybody and i think that you know i think everyone deserves a little bit of grace and a little bit of um empathy for for how everyone had to try to process it in real time yeah you know i'm talking with brandon scott and uh, this is chalk talk and of course the really the the story is about demar hamlin right i mean there's we can we can talk a little bit about the texans and maybe we'll do that before we get out and maybe mention the fact that something about the rockets but you know i always say you know chalk talk sports is more than a game it's my tagline and so this is a part of that like it's more than a game it's so much bigger than that and and so today what we're talking about is life and humanity and, and hopefully for a few days people will you know extend some of that as as these conversations take place but i hope it goes further you know, I have been, quite frankly, bothered by the lack of humanity for quite some time. And, you know, I know social media has sometimes can aid to it. And, and you mentioned something about people wanting to jump out and, and, and make a comment, you know. And I go back to when George Floyd was murdered on television. And there were people, companies and brands who thought, I should make a statement. And my position was, but do you usually make statements about things like this? You, you don't have to say anything. You can just be quiet. And if you are concerned, you can do whatever concern looks like, but you don't have to have us make a statement and be some sort of authority. Right. And that's what I would say now. You don't have to be an authority. You can just sit back, send well wishes, prayers, however it is that you, you know, if the universe is your thing, for me it's God and Jesus, so I'm praying, you know, that's, you know, like I was praying like to cover him and his family and the players and everybody, whatever it is you do, do that. But don't feel compelled to make some grand statement because unless it's your area, if you're a cardiologist and you feel like you want to educate people or inform people on what might be happening, okay. But don't be a pretend doctor or pretend specialist and throw stuff into kind of the ether because that's not what anyone needs right now and definitely that's not what tomorrow the kind of that's not the energy that he and his family need so this, i encourage you to not do that <laughs> yeah this is a this is a perfect moment and example to remind people okay or an opportunity to remind people that everything that you think does not need to be communicated out loud and for the public right. everything every thought that comes across your mind you are allowed to self-edit and self-check and keep some things to yourself. I did this myself last night because my mind went a, a hundred different places. Right. But I knew that every thought that I that went through my head was not an appropriate one to to communicate for the world to know this is what I'm thinking. Like, and I think that's another thing with social media. And I was talking about how you know the some of the sensibilities that we have as media have translated into or transferred into the public because everyone has a voice and everyone has a platform now. And in some ways that's good, but I do think, and, and one thing that I do feel like we as media are trained to do is to self-edit, to not put down everything on the script or everything in the copy that we thought. You know, at some, at some point you have to self-edit and reckon with your own thoughts before you put them out there in the public. Like I told you earlier, Kim, I'm thinking, oh, is it, is it, is it this, is it that? Now, I'm, I'm wildly speculating in my head, but I'm not gonna do it in in public like we need to 
I think it's important that all of us understand the weight of public comments and things that we put out there in public spaces, okay? And that anybody can find it and anybody can uh, can read it. And, and after a while, you know, think it, it, all of this starts to compile. And if, if enough of us are out here talking reckless, journalists or not, if enough of us go out here and start talking reckless, what do you get? A public discourse of reckless discussion. You know, and, and that's <laughs> that's not what we want. I think this is a time to remind everybody to be responsible with your thoughts and your opinions. And, you know, every yeah. again, every, everything ain't gotta be said out loud and in front of everybody. You know, right. the, the appropriate right. thing in this moment was, of course, to be compassionate and to empathize uh, in the moment and what, with what was going on. You know, Brian, last night, um, and Brandon, last night when the NFL sent their statement out, that's what I posted and said about, you know, the little bit that they knew that they were canceling the game. And I just said, well, you know, right call by the, by, by the NFL. There's really nothing else for me to say other than, you know, sending prayers to, to him and his family. And, and, and let that be it. I'm not there. I don't know anymore. I'm not a doctor. You know, I, so right. I didn't need to have anything. I had that information because obviously I'm on the NFL's list. Share that, their statement, you know, with my audiences and, and wait to find out what else there might be, you know? Um, you talk about, I mean, so, you know, for me, I always say I'm an old school journalist, right? I'm an old school journalist that has talent. This idea in this day and time, we talk about, oh, are you talent? Yeah, I've always struggled with that whole, are you talent? Like, do you have some talent? But are you a journalist? Are you doing the work? Are you doing what it, are you, are you taking the steps, right? Are you just propping yourself up with a, hey, look, look at me, I'm on TV, or I'm on YouTube, or I'm on Twitter, or wherever it is that you might be. And those are the times where I think it's unfortunate. Sometimes it's okay to not rush out with something because, oh, I'll be the first one to get it. Or, you know, Brandy, you'll see it. Sometimes we're in, you know, in, in press conferences or media press availabilities, and before the player or coach has finished making his statement, there's somebody jumping in because you want to be next just wait you know like i typically it doesn't make you not not a strong and tenacious reporter to not cut people off and, and, and be super aggressive i just think people miss it and so i found myself a couple times you know i'm always you know go ahead but after a couple times and you know i found myself almost being like a school teacher in press conferences hey you know give me a second right because i've tried this with you that's my that's my kim davis code for i've tried it with you but now I got something to say, and it's you've, it's not your turn. I mean, but we need to learn those things. And Charles makes a great point. He said, everyone deserves our compassion. And it's too bad that this incident happened and reminded us. But whenever you take people out of the equation, I've always said that what we do in media is we tell stories about people, for people, and yes. to people. And so when you take the people out, you're just not good at what you do. And I, I believe that today, whether it's sports, whether it's politics, whatever it is. Um, and welcome Joe McGinty, my uh, old colleague from Channel 2. It's great to see you, my friend. Uh, Sylvia Charles, hello everybody. And Stephanie Holcomb Cobb, welcome, welcome. Thank you guys for being a part of the show. And of course, my sister Sylvia. Uh, and those of you who are um, sending prayers to, uh, to Mar Hamlin and his family, I think that's one of the best things we can do. And just to be reminded, you know, that when you, know, when you hear players like you mentioned, Brandon, 
um, Ryan Clark, who was excellent and very transparent, you know, he talked about it. He said, like you said, players were coming in and they were like crying, like we didn't know if you were going to live or not, you know? And he was having that conversation with Spears last night. He said he was talking to Swagoo. And then when you hear Dominic Foxworth, who said, quite frankly, you know, when we talk about the need for um, some of these um, health cautions and and, and and things to make it safer for the game and for all players. He said, quite frankly, you know, there are a lot of people who on social media last night, they were like, oh my goodness, this is awful. Those are the ones who were complaining about it. Like, y'all just play, you make a bunch of money. But whatever it takes, I believe that we need to offer people grace in general. As long as you come to it, when you can get, when you can get to it. And if it brings you to, to a place now saying, you know what, they do make a lot of money, but there's no amount of money that can replace life. Yeah, yeah, that, that's 100%. <laughs> that's 100% it. There's no amount of money that could replace life. And there's no amount of money that you could make that strips you of your humanity. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's an, an important thing. Or it gives you more of it. Like, you don't get more humanity because right. you want more money. Well, and, that, and that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say, Kim. Like, let, let's just remind the Chalk Talk audience, anyone who's watching this live or sees the recorded version of it, and, I, and I'm sure, I, I imagine if they follow you on a regular basis, Kim, then hopefully they've got at least the emotional intelligence to understand this. But these athletes are not gladiators. These athletes are not superheroes. They're not the Avengers. They're, they're not comic book characters, okay? And Ryan Clark said this as well. Like the next time, remember this the next time that you are complaining about your favorite fantasy player or griping about how much money a player makes relative to their performance or whatever it may be like we can still we we can still have fair and fun sports commentary yeah but at the same time remember that we are talking about people and this is a this is a very tragic and devastating reminder of that. I would I would prefer that something like this obviously not happen and we could yeah. still appreciate that and understand that anyway. But since it did, let it be a reminder. I would say, hey, let it be a reminder that the people you are watching and and this is one I would say from being in our business and getting a chance to be around the athletes and the coaches and everybody involved, I think one of the benefits of it obviously besides from it being a career and a job is that you do get to understand that like like you and i so i know especially you being in the business as long as you have but even me like we don't when we're around these athletes we don't view them as like this these superheroes because we're around them so much they are personalized for us or we get a sense for better or worse whatever we might think of them individually we get a sense for their humanity and, and right. whatever like they, they are not on this pedestal you know, and I, I think that's important for everybody, though, to, to try to do whether you get to, are, are in this business or, or or have up close interactions with these athletes or not. This is an unfortunate reminder that they are people and that their humanity does come first. And I would, again, credit the broadcasters for doing the best. Some of them did better than others, but I thought right. they all right. did the, the very best that they could. And specifically the, the broadcasters that we heard from not not counting everybody on social media, who, who some of which did get reckless, but the broadcasters that we heard from yeah. the ESPN crew specifically, yeah. I thought they all did the very best that they could in that moment. And I think we should all at least try to do better and do our best in moments like that. And again, remember 
what we're watching and who we're watching. They are not gladiators. They are not comic book characters. They are not superheroes. They are people. They are someone's child. In this case, this, this guy's 24 years old. My brother-in-law is, it, my youngest brother-in-law was born in 1997. So he's, I guess, 25 or whatever it is. This guy's a, a year younger than that. You know, I, I view my brother-in-law as like a baby in my mind, you know, 25. So like this, this kid, this kid is, this is a very, very young man with, a, you know, his mother was there. Um, he's got family, friends, teammates, the opponents, even my kid. You know what's real when you see the opponent with the emotion that you saw, like just right. like, like Joe Burrow going over to Josh Allen, yeah, right, yeah, and embracing him. I mean, these are two quarterbacks who compete at the highest level against each other, but yeah. in that moment, like none of that matters. Correct. And, and, and so, yeah, Joe said uh, expectations that they can leap buildings, but they are humans. And like you said, and Michael Scott said, it's someone's child. And so I know we're talking right now about uh, DeMar Hamlin and the, the tragic collapse that we witnessed. And it's almost as though it takes us as a nation to collectively which, um, witness something horrific to maybe take a few steps back and, and breathe and offer some grace and humanity and, cons and just consider for a few moments. And I say that for a few moments because, you know, in the wake of George Floyd, everybody was going to be better people. And, and and so, yeah, a lot of people just didn't do anything. So, yeah. you know, yeah. and so whatever, however amount of time that people can be in this space of compassion and grace and recognizing humanity, I think that's awesome. And, you know, and I would say, obviously, life and death matter. Um, and so when you're talking about this player's life, and which is, you know, in, in jeopardy, and we don't know the prognosis and, and what's happening yet. But I also say that when we're talking about other people, and Brandon, you've heard me talk about it here locally, you know, when people are just, it's so easy to talk about the future of Lovey Smith and Pep Hamilton. They should be fired. They're idiots. I struggle. I, mean, I don't struggle. I don't like it, right? Like some of you have done this long enough to have a cup of coffee. That's not, it doesn't make you good at what you do. You're acting like a fan. Listen, I get it when fans are living their best lives on Twitter right? Because that's what they do. I've been a fan my whole life and now I get to have input and I can be an analyst and, and maybe I can even then get more followers, but then makes other people think I'm legitimate, but it doesn't. It It's not how it's supposed to go. And so I, I've just never seen it. And I think it's, we keep in so many ways when we're getting away from doing what it is that we're supposed to be doing, telling the stories, dissecting what's happening, you know, being crucially critical you know, really being the analyst based on not just, I mean, how many, I'm going to say this as we talk about this and we get back to DeMar and Hamlin, but like the amount of times that people try to get Lovey to say that we just going to lose a game so we can get the number one pick is idiotic to me. It's, it's disrespectful. It's just not smart. Like, who does that? Yeah. You know, who does that? And, and so this isn't the first team I've covered that had a chance to get the number one pick. This isn't the first time I've covered this team that had a chance to get the number one pick. I have just never heard the conversations that we're having. And I'm like, wow, how did we get here? And we got here probably with social media, which has had some good things about it. And then there's some awful things about it. But what yeah. it requires for all of us is to, one, vet where you get your information, to not lose your humanity because somebody else seems to teeter on the brink of where theirs is, and to remember at the end of the day, that it's really all about people. 
And when yep. you forget that and you take that out of the equation, you're missing the mark. This is what I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. Like, I think there are fair conversations to be had and evaluations to be made about the coaching job that's been done with the Texans. But I would say where I agree with you most is the fervor in which yeah. the conversation has been had. It's like, okay, we made the point, but is it like a, a desperation for content? And, you know, I hosted on Sports Radio 610 throughout the entire week last week, and we had these conversations as well. But I was very, very careful to make sure that we had like more than one conversation or that we had it in its proper context. You know, uh, Kim, you you know that in the last few years since I've been covering the Texans that I've you know been at most of all of the you know press conferences during yeah. the week and, and all of that. And, and this year has been different for me personally. And I've had to do a lot of work from remote this this um, this particular year because of some things that have been challenging me personally uh, and with my family. And so I haven't been around as much as I would prefer. But, you know, a question that I that I don't feel like has been asked and answered within sort of this whole conversation about Lovey Smith and, and Pep Hamilton and having like a a fair conversation about it is like. Here's like here's what I would have wanted to ask Lovey Smith yesterday on Monday if I had had the opportunity if I would have been able to make it, and I wish I had, but I would want to know from him to or to at least get a chance to get on the record since he's having to ask, answer all of these questions about should you keep your job because y'all have been so bad this year, which to a degree <laughs> is fair, but also, also though, okay, since we're gonna hold people accountable and that's what our job is, okay, how do you feel a coaching staff? should be evaluated relative to the level of talent that they are given to work with. Right. What do you think about that? What, what would you have to say about that? And I think that's a fair question to ask Lovey Smith, to ask yes. his his superiors in terms of the organizational structure, you know, Nick Casario, Cal McNair, whoever you get access to. I right. think that's a, or whoever's in charge, whoever it is that's in charge of the future with that. Those are fair questions to answer, you know, uh, along with evaluating the job, which you can fairly do, evaluating the job that they did, you know. And so I, I think, though, what you're speaking to is just sort of this fixation on narratives and content. Yeah. And sometimes it can be a, it can be void of proper context once we get so dug in, especially once you and I have to even be careful about this myself, especially once you get so dug into an opinion there then you sort of lack wiggle room and the ability to consider whatever nuance and context is around surrounds that opinion whether it reinforces it or challenges it in a bit or in a way so it's that's that's something to think about me. yeah it's sure lazy. it's like you know i come from television right and so people will say why do i do so many you know so many stories about fires and, and, and car accidents because it's great video and not that if someone's listen i had a fire in my house four years ago and if you know me, you know that. But it wasn't newsworthy, right? And, and it wasn't on the news. But, but I'm saying sometimes, of course, those things matter to the people that they impact. But the way we used to determine what gets to be on television is, does it have impact a, a greater amount of people, right? Does this Is this car accident bad for not just the people who are in the car accident, but is it because the intersection is not safe and we've got to bring attention to that or it's happening in a neighborhood or, you know, right. those right. were how we did, but, but now it's, it's easy, right? Flames and, 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 and 
unfortunate wrecks and you're getting stuff off the scanner because we've taken away the work of having the enterprise and figure out how to tell stories, to dig a little bit deeper, to find out a little more. I would like to look at the story when I look at the Houston Texans. I go back to Bill O'Brien and how he dismantled this roster. He didn't just do it in one season to get it to the point to where they were, they say at the bottom, to where they got to the bottom. Right. It happened over some years. And so last year you bring in a David Cully and then you, you make jokes about him all season. And, and perhaps he wasn't qualified for the job, but he also didn't deserve the kind of mocking that he got. Right. He, he didn't. He's a grown man and he's put in his time and who's going to turn down an opportunity when you get it. He didn't deserve that. But you could say, you know, maybe he wasn't the person that was best qualified to um, run and manage an entire team. But he also couldn't fix that mess. And so then the next year, the mess had missed much better. And now there's Lovey Smith. And so now you say, well, he wasn't their first choice. Well, because their first choice was Josh McNown. I mean, it is a mess. And it didn't just become a mess. And if you're not willing to talk about how the mess happened and how long the mess took, stop acting like somehow these last two coaches are a big problem of the mess. If that's the case, so is the general manager. And that's been my conversation. Everybody gets to be lumped in. They all need to go. Or let's talk about what they, what's the plan for the, it, it, what's the plan moving forward? I just, it's been very personal when I listen to it, and as you mentioned, the fervor, and it's almost like the local hosts are carrying the water for the fans. Listen, the fans in this town love them. I'm a Houstonian native. I've lived around the country, but this is my home. Don't y'all remember? Y'all didn't even want J.J. Watt. Now you want him to have a, a, a statue. So the fans aren't always best equipped to know what's really the best thing to do. Don't yeah. get caught up, right? Don't get caught up. Yeah, well, and another thing that stood out to me over the weekend, Kim, from being at the game, and we saw each other there at the game in the press box, but and so you saw what I saw. We can talk about fervor and and mm -hmm. the energy of the host and carrying the water of the fans, but look at the fan. Look at the apathy among the fan base. Like, you've got right. people that are still passionate about this team and that are going to be passionate about the team no matter what. But it's so bad right now, and it goes, and this is speaking to a point that's just so much, be, so far beyond Lovey Smith or even any name, any one particular figure. Right. This is like an organizational uh, failure when you look at, like, the attendance, the, like, actually, don't tell me about ticket sold but when you right. look at tails in the seat and the attendance and just the lack of energy at that stadium and, and i know you've been going around been around these games a lot longer than i have but i've seen it on tv and i've seen it up close for the last four years now and i, I like it it's gotten worse it's getting worse and worse yeah and so i think that that there is a larger story to be told about that and why it is that that is the case and let's be honest about it like uh, this is not to say that lovey smith and his staff have done a good job i don't think that they necessarily have i don't know if they've done an awful job i just i don't think they've done a particularly good job but then right. even beyond that i'm not sure how much it mattered anyway or like if you would have brought name your favorite coach i mean vince lombardi vince lombardi, bring <laughs> vince lombardi or 
Paul Brown or Bill Belichick or Bill Parcells or whoever it is you like, Mike so Tomlin. Think about some like, of these no, people that you mentioned. You right. Know, I, I was saying yesterday, like uh, Phil Jackson was great, but he wasn't so great when he didn't have talent. Right. How good is Bill Belichick without Tom Brady? Right. Yeah, How good is it. Mike Tomlin without? Um, I mean, he's good because he finds a way to win and, and to keep a winning record. But but he's not the Mike Tomlin we saw when he had a different level of talent. And and he's right. nurtured and he was nurtured by one of the best organizations in all of pro sports. Right. You know, like what if Absolutely. what if what if Mike Tomlin gets his first opportunity with this organization? Who's to yeah, say that he's not different? Yeah, who's to say he's just not a younger version of David Cully? You know what right. I mean? Like like because that's what he inherited. You know, like Mike Tomlin is as excellent as he is, and I am a fan of the job that he's done over, you know, the couple of decades that he's been around. But fortunate for him he was selected by one of the certainly one of the best organizations in his sport and and perhaps across all of north american sports in the pittsburgh steelers so like that right. that helps and that is part of the success story yeah you know it is brandon it's, it's really interesting um I, I there's so much to this and when you talk about building of a team um it it took and i think people just forget like you know, let me say something at a press conference when we were, when the team is getting ready to play, to play the to Chiefs, right? Um, that, that game kind of turned things around for this franchise and not in a good way. Remember, they were up 24 nothing. Yeah. Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien his way through it. I mean, they just never really recovered from that, that collapse. And then on into, because that was in 2019, then on into 2020, and then they started out with 0-5 or whatever it was. And oh, yeah, 0-4, yep. 0-4, and it just didn't, but you never address how you got there, right? Like, if you never really address how you get there, how do you fix it? And so this is bigger than, we need a coach, okay? So we had the interim coach, and then we had, we brought in Cully, and you brought, it, the problem is bigger than that. Right. And... Now people may want to say, well, you can blame Jack Easterby. Well, but he was he was here for a lot of that. But how did how did he how did these people get the power to do it? Because if it's a Jack Easterby problem, well, Nick Casario's a Jack Easterby guy. I, I mean, you don't get to have it both ways and say, well, but he's gone now, so Nick deserves to be here. And listen, I'm not saying fire Nick Casario. I'm saying I don't think Nick Casario gets a pass. Um, I, I don't think that what he's done i don't see anything that so far that makes me say he's a guy that can build it just like i would say i don't see anything that makes me say that lovey's a guy that can coach this team where they got to go i i can fairly say that about either of them i don't know i do know that, that lovey's been there before i'm more concerned about nick because of his background because he was a coach and you know, not a lot of coaches make the transition we know he likes that piece and he was never when he was a scout um with from, from when I go back and talk to personnel people around the league, was never rated really high in that position. So, I don't know. Maybe he'll be great. But yeah. I think it's a matter of time will tell and we will just see. Yeah, I, I think I would say for me, my biggest concern from a talking point standpoint and from even as somebody like, again, a native Houstonian, I, I will say I'm someone who – Forget about the Texans as a brand for a second, but just like as a native Houstonian, okay, as B. Scott from Hiram Clark, I do openly, okay.
okay and i'm a journalist but i do openly root for anything with houston attached to it right. like I, I want good things to happen for houston okay so if that's the texans all right if that's the whatever it is okay so i and, and i and i own that on the air and and you know uh, and we are allowed that sort of flexibility as you know radio personalities to kind of just be yourself you don't have to be this necessarily stringent i don't have a i don't have a passionate you know cares about any institution type of thing like no i want good things to happen to anything that involves our city okay right. so in from that standpoint no matter who's in charge ownership management coaching whatever i am from a larger standpoint rooting for the success i think it's good for our city if the football team is doing well okay but from like just this this conversation specifically about the 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 characters that are involved right now i think the big concern that i have is that they have a very unique opportunity right now to get out of this mess okay uh i'm, I'm looking at one of the comments here from bobby scott that says in my opinion texans are a train wreck um uh, okay yes i i i think objectively we can say that the Texans at least have been in recent years and continue to be right now a train wreck. They have an opportunity because the NFL does reward losing to a degree. Mm -hmm. They have an opportunity to get out of this mess and to sort of maybe not be a train wreck going forward. The concern has to be, and to me it's top down, okay, from ownership to management, Okay, and I'm, when I say management, I'm talking about the general manager specifically, mm -hmm. down to um, to the coaching with, with Lovey Smith. No one right now has given anyone confidence that they should be trusted with this opportunity to fix the wreck, to fix the mess, to clean the mess. Okay, no one has given you that confidence that okay this opportunity is going to be maximized this opportunity is going to be taken advantage of and that's where i go back to your point about you could get rid of everybody and it wouldn't like it wouldn't offend me because i haven't been really given that thing that makes me feel good about the people that are in charge that have been entrusted with the next steps or who will be likely entrusted with the next steps i don't feel like it's a one or the other like hey just get rid of the general manager keep the coaches and everything's good get rid of the coaches and keep the general manager and everything is good no i i, I think that everyone needs to be critically evaluated and they need to do some introspection into what exactly it is that they're doing on the football field and whether they are equipped as currently constructed to get out of this mess and i don't have a good answer for that i don't feel good about it i can tell you that um, yeah. And so well, here's and, and the thing, that's Brandon. the conversation. Yeah, that's you are. You are spot on. That is a conversation. Um, I don't feel good about it either, because at the end of the day, Cal McNair owns a team. And I don't I've not seen anything from Cal's leadership that makes me say he's a guy that can 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 do that. Make these evaluations or pick have the right people around him. Unless, of course, and this is not a popular opinion that he calls Rick Smith. Right. And just says, yo, Rick, we were wrong. And I said this, you said this to me. I said it with a, you know, one of the reporters who was like, oh, well, Rick, listen, I stop it. In terms of whatever kind of 
things happen with Rick off the field, out of the building, stop that, right? Um, and, and, and this is not to knock on, be a knock on Cal McNair, but, you know, he's how we kind of elevated the whole Jack Easterby and elevated Bill O'Brien. And now you were going another route and then you got Nick Casario. I mean, I don't, I don't know the answer. I don't feel really confident that the answer is in the building, but I'm hopeful because listen, I'm a Houstonian as well and I cover them. So it'd be great if they um, were a team that was going a different direction. You know, it was fun to cover this team when they were, they were competitive. And this team has been competitive, competitive at times this year, but they just, I mean, I think we can go on and on about the, the shortcomings and the failings of this team. And I will apologize for those of you who said, you told us you were gonna let us hear from Lovey and Steven Silas. Listen, I'll pop in later in the week and, and let you guys hear from them and talk a little more Texans and Rockets. But I thought today it was important to have this conversation. Um, it would just be too big to, to pretend that this isn't sitting right in front of us about what happened last night on Monday Night Football with Tamar Hamlin. That's the story and, 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 and everything that surrounds that. So I am a... Grateful, B. Scott, that we had planned this, that you were coming on today so that you could uh, have this conversation with me. Um, it's been it's good, been good. I, I appreciate you, and, and I respect your work, and I respect your your um, your opinion. So not only does my audience like you, I, I like you too. So thank you for <laughs> taking the time out today and doing something totally different. We didn't even talk about it. When I, I didn't even say, hey, you know, today we're going to talk about, because I knew that he'd be he'd be good with it and he'd be prepared and he'd probably expect it like if i came on and we just talked texas and rockets he'd be like what's wrong with kim oh kim let me let me say this before <laughs> we go let me say this make 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 sure i point this out before we go i will say this and this i guess is the first maybe the only time that i articulate this about what i did this morning but from a like our business standpoint and specifically being in radio right now i most certainly circled around the shows that i frequent and cut on everything that I could because I was interested to see how each program was going. And I and I had a feeling, you know, I, you and I know each other uh, fairly well and personally. Right. So so I, I, I understood exactly what was what we were going to do. But I was very much interested to circle the wagon, so to speak, and see how this thing was going to be handled, because, you know, talking about the draft you know, or like or leading your show with things like that. And, you know, is it Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, quarterback or defensive lineman, all of that. And I think I did. This was one of the things that I did say on Twitter was like a lot of that just feels so unimportant and so yeah. hollow in the moment. You know, like let's let's take the moment to be human beings to and to recognize and respect all of our uh, respective humanity and, and namely DeMar Hamlin. And namely, Demar Hamlin. Hey, listen, I appreciate you, my friend. We're going to get out of here. Uh, tell people where they can reach you and about your additional podcast that they can tune into. Yes, I'm so glad you asked. So at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter is where you can find me. And at B. Scott from Hiram Clark on Instagram is also where you can find me. But I do a weekly podcast, the B Block podcast. And if you like this one, I think that you would like that one. Um, and then also, in addition to... I do the H-Town Hoops podcast, which is an Odyssey production we've been doing for a couple of months now. It's myself and Adam Spillane, who works very closely alongside myself and Kim as well at the various different 
um, Houston sporting events, if you will. So me, myself, and Adam Spillane are doing the H-Town Hoops podcast. You can find that on Odyssey or anywhere you get your podcast. We do that at least once a week. Uh, should be dropping one within the next couple of days where we talk about the Rockets. So I hope that you guys subscribe, rate, and review, and share that with your people. And other than that, yeah, hit me up on social media, at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter and at B. Scott from Hiram Clark on Instagram. So make sure you guys, um, if you're, you know, go to my Facebook, not Facebook, go to my YouTube page and make sure that you subscribe. Uh, I'm going to keep doing the show on all my platforms, but the goal is to eventually move it really more to YouTube. So I will post in the comments uh, on all the platforms where you can subscribe on that link. And as always, thank you for being here each and every week. I will, uh, I'll come back later this week and probably pop in for a little, another little show where I, I, I talk some Texans and Rockets, if it's even relevant, right? Because right now, who cares? Um, and hopefully we have some great news about um, DeMar Hamlin sooner than later. Um, just continue to, I would say, pray for him, his family, all those players, right? Bills, Bengals, and, and, and everybody around the league. And I would also throw this in um, and, and pray for just increased uh, acceptance and, and, and response of compassion for humanity. Yes. That's what I hope is the other thing that comes from it because that we can control. The other we cannot. B. Scott, thank you, my friend. I'll see you probably over at the Texans soon. Have a great week. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Kim. All right. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for us today. Um, I appreciate you. It was a different kind of show. Thanks for being here. I'll catch you next time. And remember, do something kind for yourself. Do something kind for somebody else. If you've not been vaccinated, get the vaccine, y'all. It's not gone. COVID, flu, all that stuff. Make it a great week.